Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature New York City-based artist Tariku Shifura. He explores art making through painting and installation art, addressing issues around space making within art and societal structures. Select museum exhibitions include the culture, hip hop and contemporary art in the 21st century at Baltimore Museum of Art in 2023. You'd think by now at Smack Mellon in 2022. Men of Change, organized by the Smithsonian Institute and held at the California African American Museum in 2023. Gallery exhibitions in 23 include Marking Oneself in Dark Places, Gallery Lalong and Company in New York. Also in 23, Making Space, One of the Black Boys, Southampton African American Museum in New York. He has participated in the independent study program at the Whitney Museum of Art and the Drawing Center in New York City. And he has been an artist in residence at the Lower East Side Studio Program in New York City, Silver Arts Projects, and the ARC Athens in Greece. Please visit CerebralWomen.com for his expanded bio and additional information. And enjoy this episode featuring Tariku Shipra. Welcome, Tariku, to my podcast. I am looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Phyllis. Me as well. Share with us, when did you discover your artistic passion? As a kid, probably just watching my brother draw movie characters and cartoon characters with his ballpoint pen. And I would ask him to draw some more. And eventually that developed into uh, a passion that I pursued later on in high school. Do you recall if there was another artist or body of work or something that influenced your work? Over time, I've looked at so many different artists growing up. But I think it all started with probably just street art, like graffitis and cartoon characters. And eventually, when studying art, I had looked at the surrealist movements back when I was in high school, like Salvador Dali, Andre Baton, Max Ernst. And those were very interesting moments. And probably the one piece that influenced me the most was the, is it the Persistent of Time? The, the, I call it the melting clock of Salvador Dali. And that moment, I was like, wow. How can one person make a piece to make me feel a, a certain type of way? As a young 16-year-old, I, I would say those were the moments that really ignited some inspirations. When did you realize that you were meant to be abstract painter versus figurative? I guess sometime, sometime after, after undergrad, I used to mess around with both figuration and abstraction in a way that 
the landscape and the figuration, the foreground, the background, all of that used to contain both. And the more I started painting landscape, the more I started getting into the patterns in the landscape more than I was interested in the landscape. And the more I started getting into the colors of the figure, the gestures, the painterly moments, more than I was interested in in the actual figure. And so it just, I guess, naturally transitioned into abstraction over time. I'm a painter, an installation artist who uses sound, sculpture, and other sound objects within my practice, physically speaking. And what do you enjoy most about your practice? The thinking space. My practice is about making works that one that is aesthetically pleasing to to myself, something it allows me to create something that I enjoy and wonder and think about, but also it allows myself and hopefully the audience a space to think alternatively about the way we exist in society. Do you think about your audience while you're working? No. If, if your question is, do I consider the audience to a certain extent, but not really, I, I make the works for me first. And then after that is when I try to clarify the visual language for other folks so that my thoughts and my thought process are clarified and received to a certain degree of clarity. So in that sense, yes, but usually when I'm making the work, I just make the work. How has your technique uh, developed or changed over the years? I would say tremendously. Making art is the same as other artistic practices or any other practice from studying science, playing sports, riding a bike. Your techniques always have a place for improvement, racing a car. So in a way, I've had the great opportunity of getting resources over the years to improve some of the material quality of my work on one hand. And on another hand, I've been able to, to make a lot of mistakes over and over again until I get it right. And so that is a, a technical practice, a practice on, on the medium, whether it's painting or sculpture or sound or any of the elements in my work. What materials do you use in your work? Primarily acrylic paint on canvas, but ceramics, chain link fence, mylar, iridescent film, polish chiffon. Sound is a type of material within my work, silk, nylon, you name it. I do use a lot of different materials over the span of my practice. Do you listen to music while you're working? All the time. If not music, a podcast. <laughs> How do you keep learning? Reading, lectures. There's also a lot of visual learning, seeing a lot of work. I go to the museums a lot and I go to a lot of galleries, to, to shows. Around the world, whatever city I'm in, I try to stop by somewhere where art is being shown. So yeah, I, I learned from various different ways, YouTube, Instagram, social media, everywhere. I think everything has the possibility and opportunity to teach me something. So I always take advantage of any moment that I, I can learn. If a friend recommends a book or a film, I would read or watch it and decipher what to take out of it for myself. How do you feel when asked what is black about your work because there are no black figures? I think I'll probably use the words of Jack Whitney to respond to that question. When he was asked the same thing, I think he, he responded by saying the fact that he's black, everything that he makes is black. I don't think I have any concerns regarding having my work to appear black or not. 
I think the work in itself, due to the fact that the whole concept is about mark making and the maker of the mark being the artist myself, and that I think that's good enough to, to define it there. But it also doesn't have to be defined, right? It can live the way it does and hold the concepts that it does. I totally agree. When do you know work is finished? I think it's, it's just based on practice, right? I look at the work. Sometimes I don't. I don't know when it's finished, so I have to just live with it for you know a few days after the point where I think it's done. I think your question is a little bit more conceptual than most people think because the question of when do you think work is finished is, is so ancient. It's been around for so long around like conceptual works that there's such thing as overworking the painting or overworking an art piece. And oftentimes that's where the practice comes in, where if we've done the work as artists, if one has done the work over and over again, I think again, like riding a bike, you start to recognize when it's getting near its finish or near its overdue. And once you just overdo it, times the work is messed up. Uh, it's a process, but oftentimes I just let it rest. I let it chill. I look at it for a few days more without doing anything to it. So sometimes my studio days consist of just hanging out in the studio, working on other stuff, but art or maybe other art pieces and while looking at the supposed finished pieces. And sometimes if it doesn't feel right, I'll look at it for a week, a month, and at some point I'll turn it away. And some of those pieces get redone a year later. So it, it's a process. And when do the titles of the work enter the creative process? In the end, once the painting is completed. And what's your process of choosing colors? Colors in my work hold a conceptual uh, lane where I started with black and blue for my One of These Black Boys series. That series, if I may describe it visually, is a painterly gestural background with horizontal uh, redactive, like rectangular gestures on top of one another, repetitive rectangular forms on top of one another. And that series is titled One of These Black Boys. And when I began that series, I strictly used a background of the canvas white but i only added black and blue to it and black and blue had a conceptual significance that referred to a lot of poetical or political or just uh, personal aesthetic choices that i had made in that work and expanded from there into other colors like more like skin tone colors and whatnot within that series but even outside of those colors, there's other colors that are introduced in my work as a result of using other materials like mylar, like gold mylar or silver mylar or iridescent film, which introduces greens and blues to it and so forth. And so, yeah, within that series, I've used those colors. And then within Matisimai series, which Matisimai means night skies and Amharic, in that series, I use paints gray, yellow, purple, dioxide purple, and phthalo blue. And those are the colors that sort of just, you know, overlap and create other colors like green and bright orange and, and so forth. If you weren't a visual artist, what other career path do you think you would have chosen? Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I've always been passionate about the things that I do, whatever I do at a hundred percent. And so in the past I've ran track and field and I've also played the drums. And I would say probably I would have pursued music, playing the drums maybe fully. 
Yeah, I don't know. The road not taken, right? <laughs> right, right. So what are you excited about right now? I'm excited about spending time in my studio. 2023 has been a very busy year, getting ready for my solo show in this past September. And so it's been a very busy year in and out, like whether I was in the studio getting ready for the show or in preparation for a book that I'm co-producing. All of that has taken up a lot of my time. So in 2024, I look forward to spending a lot more time in the studio and experimenting and that I'm like fully excited about. Share with us what your studio looks and feels like. Um, my studio is a, it's a, let's see, it's a 12, 13 feet tall ceilings, which, which just frees up a lot of space when you think about space and art making. And so it's about probably like 500 square feet where I have, I guess, painting storage on the side to, to store all my materials, my large canvases to work on like staging area. And then the rest of the space is pretty empty with a couch on one end so that I could just make work. I make work on the floor, all my large works and small works. Every work is made on the floor. So it's pretty empty in the middle, cozy with probably large windows, like 12 feet by 12 feet, maybe, but not too big, but not too small either, but just perfect for a practice. And what do you enjoy most about being an artist? Being able to think and make and solitude, a lot of alone time in making. That precious alone time. <laughs> I've enjoyed this interview very much, and this is going to be our last question. It's loaded. <laughs> okay. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? Yeah, it is a very loaded question. So it's, <laughs> um, I think the role of art really, I don't think it's changed much historically. It's always been a place of influence, a place of firsts, a place where a lot of thinkers express their thoughts visually and relate with a bigger group of people, a population, society, or community or however we refer to the place we exist in and live in. And I guess the whole goal of it is to make something nice while also challenging oneself about our existence, whether it's political or poetic. It's a way to challenge oneself. I always refer back to the Russian constructivists who were making abstract works that challenged the system they had lived in. And uh, when the government realized that inspired many to think freely and just prohibited them from making those works and asked them to make classical paintings in its place. And that showed the power of art, how it makes you think alternatively and does not allow you or perhaps save you from uh, thinking for having other systems think for you and challenge those systems. At least ideally that's what art does when it's in between beauty and aesthetics and then some conceptual thought challenges. Now, the second part of your question was, what is my role in it? I mean, I would say the same. I'm, I don't think there's one great artist in our society. There might be some famous artists, but there's no one great artist. It's a movement when you look at it in the long term, in the long run, everyone has a part and, and we make a small dent at a time hopefully towards quality of living, equity, the way we look at the world and constantly challenging a system that beats down on us or a system that sort of hypnotizes you to, into thinking 
similarly as everybody else when, you know, we're not monolithic, we're more complex than that as humans. I feel like the role of art and the, the role of the artist is one and the same. It hits on humanity and it's on everything that is complex and subtle and simple about humanity through difficult conversations and challenges. And at the same time, injecting beauty in it, right? Aesthetic beauty. My question led to a very interesting and full and thought-provoking answer. So thank you for that. And, uh, and thank you for your time. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. Say very. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one, Phyllis. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. 